Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. San Francisco, are you ready? Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And no esteemed co-host. Old man Davis went over to, uh, where'd he go, to the um, outside lands, and he hasn't been seen since. He's not a Raiders camp. Definitely not a Raiders camp. So we've got a lot to talk about, Raymond. The... Preseason is upon us. It is here. We are so close now. And I think the first big story coming out of this past weekend, out of Hall of Fame weekend, is that Eddie D, Eddie D. Bartolo has finally been inducted into the Hall of Fame. The Dynasty team is complete. What do you think about that? It's about time. This was something that, uh, you know, you were talking about probably the greatest owner in NFL history. No question. No question. The greatest greatest lineage of players and coaches to, to, to come from that that era. The thing I really liked about the Hall of Fame speech that he delivered, um, you, if you haven't seen it online, Faithful, definitely go check it out. You can see it on YouTube, is that he basically walked down memory lane and he talked about a lot of the big guns. He talked about Bill Walsh. George Seifert, he talked about Steve Young, he talked about uh, Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, Charles Haley. He called, he said that he was proud, called, he said that Charles Haley, I'm paraphrasing just a bit, but Charles Haley, uh, the, the greatest Dallas Cowboy they ever had was the 49er. And I thought that was, that was great. Yeah, that was, that was a great reference. Yeah, that's a nice little nice little jab. I, I thought that was awesome. I was like, oh, even after all these years, still 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 has the uh, still has the the fight in him. You know, I thought that was great. But it was um it was it was also very cool to see all of those dynasty legends sitting in the crowd and reacting to his speech. They kept kind of coming back to um, all of them, and I, I thought that was great. It was you know, Eddie was a hard owner. He was um, beloved, absolutely beloved by, by, the, by the team, but he definitely was no nonsense. I think he fired, according to Carmen Policy, he fired Bill Walsh 11 times. Something and, like that. Yeah, something like that. I know that he like threw a Coke can at his head once, too. <laughs> so um, It was tough, I mean, because you, you have a brand new unproven coach who's also kind of reinventing the game so it's like all right at one in one regard you don't understand the game as it is at least the x's and o's part and here you have a new coach trying to put new x's and o's into the mix and, you're, and so you're like you know as an owner who you know most owners really are kind of control freaks that's got to be a nerve-wracking situation but at the same time the results kind of speak for themselves but whenever they slip up you know that's kind of uh, a moment for any kind of ardent owner to come in and say, "Hey, uh, see this this isn't this wasn't going to last, you know, or this wasn't meant to be, or you you can't your reinvent your your revolution isn't isn't foolproof." Yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally Eddie D. Eddie D. demanded greatness, and he 
his goal was to to put the team in a financial position to have the best players possible so they could win the Super Bowl every single year. That was the goal. You know, and he was hyper competitive. Bill Walsh was hyper competitive. It was just the perfect storm. 80 to 94 was the perfect storm. It really was. You had you had coaches, owner and players all in perfect harmony. Harmony all heading towards one goal, and that was to win the Super Bowl and be the best team ever. And the, you know, it literally the closest team that's even come to what the 49ers accomplished was the uh, was the New England Patriots. But they it took them four. They only won four Super Bowls in 16 years. And you know, obviously there's a tremendous amount of controversy surrounding all those victories. But again, having said that, that's the closest that anyone's ever come to what the 49ers were able to do. Dallas had a nice little run, but it was only three in one decade. And they've been, they were irrelevant in the 10 years before and in the 20 years since, you know, um, and the, the, that, the dynasty era from, you know, 81 to 95 is, is some of the most dominant football of all time. They said, they said this um, when they were introducing Eddie D they said that from 1981 to 1998, the 49ers averaged 13 wins a year. Just insane. Now, Raymond, here's a question. Do you think, will Chip get us to that level? He's unproven. So it's it's really all theory at this point. Uh, yeah. He's, wrong. he's won at the collegiate level. He's had success in the NFL level. He's also learned kind of the, the hardship of getting too much power. At the mm-hmm. NFL level too, which I think was really good, because uh, good for him, good for his growth, because people are already noticing that you know he seems different this time around. Naturally, I feel like that situation kind of humbled him, just kind of like, hey, doesn't matter how good you're doing, you know, the second you screw up, you know, the 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 tables can turn on you just on a dime. And you will be fired as quickly as you are hired, and, and that's it. And so I think I think to a large degree. That situation humbled him, and now he's kind of back to kind of just focusing on what he does best, which is coach football. And he's doing it also in some uncharted territory, whereas the 49ers are kind of in a rebuilding phase, and he's never really necessarily been had teams to rebuild, you know, per se from the ground up, certainly not at the NFL level. I still think he's – everyone's kind of – I mean, anything would have been better from last year. So all of the positive praise that he's getting right now is, is all – it's it, there's twofold to it. So one of it is coming from the fact that they're all coming off of one of the worst seasons they've had since Tarbot took over, really. Yeah. And also one of, or even since before that, because they weren't, they were, they well, I'd say yeah, since the Mike Singletary era is that one of their worst seasons, injury wise, playing wise, statistically, you name it, it was just up and down, terrible. But then the other part of it is that uh, they're also with a new coaching staff so everything kind of gets wiped clean so you feel refreshed automatically because it's like no one's no one's really going to take jabs at you they're just going to put you back out on the field and kind of reevaluate you because coaching was a part of the problem last year if it wasn't that would be a different story but since it was and it was a huge factor um that gives everybody a second chance and 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 everybody who even the quarterbacks, you know, we all thought Colin was going to be gone. That deal never got through. So now you hear he is getting another shot at the starting gig. His second time at that. Gabbard's getting another shot as well. His second time since since, since being in the NFL. So it'll be it's going to be interesting. I don't know if he'll take us to the promised land, but I think he's he's 
got the wits to do it. He's got he's got a good staff around him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really, it's a really smart staff. It, they're all they all they're all on the same page. It appears so. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing left to do is to kind of test it all out there. You know, put it put it through the lab of uh, you know in in the regular season. And see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, really, that's all. We, that's all we can really do at this point is just sit back and see what happens when it that's comes all that's to. Left. Yeah, and that yeah. starts the, this Sunday, really. Are you excited? I am because it kind of crept up on me. Um, you know, we've been following the Niners, obviously, and kind of putting out some podcasts for everybody here and there. But uh, you know, and also taking care of our day, our day to day lives. And so now it just feels like, oh wow, um, a we're in August, and b uh, the Niners play this Sunday. So I'm so pumped. Finally, come full circle. The next four weeks, you know, we'll be getting a good look at the first, uh, first and second teams, which are kind of the most important uh, teams to be paying attention to, just because those are the guys that are most likely going to get put on the 53 roster. So we just got to see who stands out, particularly with the rookies who are obviously moving up, especially the first two, uh, first, the two first round draft picks, who according to Niner reports right now coming out of camp are moving up the depth chart. So Buckner has been working with the first and second team defensive line groups, Garnett. Um, he was working with the third team. Now he's moved to the second team. Um, so that's great because, you know, these are guys that are most likely going to start. So you want them to kind of get acquainted with the players that they're going to be playing with on a regular basis. And Buckner's been doing it. Garnett is a little bit later because the Stanford, he was still in Stanford and NFL policy doesn't allow him to attend any practices or camps uh, while he's still in session, so he had a late start. Otherwise, he would be, I think, right there with Buckner working with the first teams, too. Well, I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty excited. Here's something I want to say to the faithful. You know, it's it's been a couple rough years, and, it, you know, I think it's a little bit – it's a little tough when – your when the Niners have struggled in an era when the Giants and the Warriors are at you know peak powers, but just remember, San Francisco first and foremost has always been and will always be a football city. This is the city of red and gold. This is this is the house that Eddie D, Bill Walsh, George Seifert, Joe Montana, Steve Young. This is the house of Jerry Rice. This is the house they built. This is their this is their house, and I and well, I love I love me some Giants, I love me some Warriors, but the San Francisco 49ers are the heart and soul of Bay Area sports, and I don't, don't let anybody take that away. We are the very first California team, the very first professional California sports team, very first professional team in California was the 49ers right here in San Francisco. Do not that means something. Do not let that go. Yeah, believe that. Keep the faith. All right. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And I believe that the 49ers, while we're in a rebuild mode, it's going to be better than last year. Hold your head high because it's going to come back around. It has to. We were so close. We were so close three years ago. But you know what? It's going to come back around. And I'm a I'm a believer, too. And so, you know, let's uh, let's not give up the faith just yet. All right. Definitely. I mean, you got to remember the NFL is the hardest of the three major American sports to stay on top for an extended period of time. You know, and it's it's mostly just usually a handful of teams, and then they kind of rotate out depending on how good you know you're managed and how good drafting is and all that stuff. But uh, so 
you know, I have faith in the talent that's there, and I feel like they got the coaching staff right this time. They definitely took a step back with Tom Sula, but now that they went to, you know, it was obviously a dice roll going away from Harbaugh in the first place, but uh, now that they've kind of gotten a, a more credible staff, I feel a lot more comfortable heading into the regular season just because Chip's proven. And, you know, the people keep saying they're going to be worse than they were last year and their record's going to be the same or worse. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. I don't agree either. The, the X factor is Chip Kelly, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Um, so let's move on to the major topic that I think is on, uh, you know, it's what a lot of the, the news sites and, and the sports journalists are following right now is Colin Kaepernick versus Blaine Gabbard. Okay, so now let's 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 talk a little bit about the journey to where we are, and then I want to get your opinion on some things. So Cap, Cap to me is it was in a really interesting place um, during free agency earlier this year because Denver was aggressively trying to get him, but he did not want to take a pay cut. They wanted to pay him somewhere between six and seven million dollars to join the Denver Broncos, and he refused to take the pay cut. And I'll be honest. I thought that was a very foolish decision on his part. A, because he wasn't in a position of bargaining power. B, he literally passed up a team where their quarterback was a limping dead man. You know, he literally was dead, and they still won a Super Bowl. This guy literally did nothing, and they won a Super Bowl. That's how powerful that defense was. That's how powerful Denver was. Here here he had a chance to go into Denver rebuild his legacy and not do a whole lot and probably be back in the AFC championship, you know, in a, in a conference championship the very next year. And he passed it up for the money. Now, I also understand that in football money is it, you know, it's not like other sports. It's hard. The injuries are so high. You never know what you're going to get. So, you know, it's hard to walk away from that guaranteed money. But I thought him refusing Denver's offer, I thought was a little egotistical and I thought that he did not place himself in the best position to win. What yeah. do you think about that? I agree. Well, I mean, a, a lot, a lot of the there's a lot of warranted criticism for Cap, but then there's a lot of unwarranted criticism because your average Agreed. fan doesn't realize that it takes 11 guys to make it work. This, that's why the NFL is so difficult. You know, baseball mm-hmm. is probably the next one up there because you're dealing with nine guys, albeit a lot slower at slower pace. But you still have to harmonize with a multitude of players versus basketball. It's only five guys in any given moment. It's like yeah. easier to maintain that chemistry and mm-hmm. that rhythm, uh, whereas football, it's always 11 dudes. And and if one one breaks down, it's kind of like a, like a chain link. One of them breaks down, it could disrupt the entire play. So um, that's really all it takes. So you really have to be on your on your p's and q's. And you know, with with this quarterback battle, I think it's they're so similar in their skill sets that it's going to really come down to the wire. And that's why, like, it's not like over in Cleveland where Robert Griffin III has already been announced as the starter for the regular season. Um, you know, he's up against McCown. You know, it was probably a landslide. You know, because RG three his skill set and his athleticism is far greater than than uh, than what his competition was, whereas Blaine and Kaepernick are like, they're pretty, pretty similar. I mean, the only difference is that Cap is a little bit faster and he's got a little bit stronger arm. But other than that, they're very similar. So, Do you think Cap should have gone to Denver? I think, I'm surprised he didn't, 
And I thought in the best interest of his career, like, that was the best move for his career. Like you would have been right back to like pretty close to what you had in 2012. Yeah. Personnel wise, you have a yeah. stout defense. They lost a couple key guys, but they re-signed the core of that. They're Alden Smith. They re-signed him, and they they also re-signed their running back. And they still have good tight ends over there, including Vernon Davis. And they have and, a great general manager. And yeah, and they have a great GM. So, uh, who, who, by the way, is a quarterback. So, you know, there'd be some toolage there. I'm not sure how how in depth it would be, but it'd be pretty good. And you know that the personnel he's hired in there, coaching staff, is also um, very comfortable with developing quarterbacks, regardless of you know where they're coming from, whether from the ground up, which is what they were going to do with with Osweiler, or with proven veterans like Peyton Manning. So. He would have been right back to where he was at the top, but you know, I mean, maybe, and because it fell through, because he was, it was obviously a money thing. We all know. We, what else would it have been? Well, I don't like Colorado so much. Yeah, right. You were in Colorado the entire time you were rehabbing, so there's no qualms there. You know that 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 would not to, not to say that he said that. I'm just saying there that yeah. was the only issue that was preventing anything from happening. His cap didn't want to take a pay cut. Denver didn't want to pay. 49ers tab and 49ers said if you're going to pick him up you pay the tab because we're not going to pay him we're not going to pay him to go to you you know mm-hmm. that, that's what, and that's fair it, everyone had a, a pretty sound argument except for Denver and but the only reason that Denver did that was because they didn't have a whole lot of money to play with so yeah. they were kind of in a bind otherwise they probably would have done it um, had they not had as much cap problems as they do as they do right now so he um I mean, I'm glad he's here because it kind of it's like, all right, okay, you get another shot. Now we get to see if because everyone talks about how Kaepernick is a match made in heaven for Chip Kelly, even though Chip Kelly Chip Kelly works with whatever quarterback does what he asks them to do. Yeah. If we look at the line of quarterbacks, so there's two things that tell that 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 tells me: a, it doesn't matter what your skill set is; he doesn't have an ideal skill set that everyone likes to tout. Um, because it really comes down to accuracy because it's a balanced mm-hmm. offense. It's very, very balanced. Um, and then the other part of it is this guy knows quarterbacks so well that it, it, clearly that sought-after skill set doesn't make all that huge of a difference If as long as he has somebody there that can pick up his scheme. So Nick Foles went to a Pro Bowl because of that. Mark Sanchez uh, was there. And... What is he got? What is the guy's name for the Rams? Oh, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford was there and played well, even though Sam Bradford is all that really. Uh, oh, spe- speaking of, do you think, do you think Jared Goff is really going to be good? No, not <laughs> not at all. Like you know, you know, on ESPN they're talking right now that the Los Angeles Rams are like going to be fighting for for first. They're going to be sneaky good. Everyone needs to be careful. We're going to get we we have a we have a fourth co-host. Louis Bartone, who I'm going to drop his name right now. You might have seen him on the Goldcast videos. He's a diehard Los Angeles Rams fan. We're going to bring him on uh, in a week or so. Yeah, he's going to join us uh, either preseason or starts. after preseason. Yeah, and we're going to we're going to have some talks about the Rams and the Niners. Uh, he and I are actually already looking at tickets to go see the Rams when they're here in Los Angeles. But I don't. This the guy wasn't that good in college. He was on a terrible team. Cal, he, Cal's never been all that great. No, I just am like, there's just no way, man. So it's one of those things where his skill set is is decent and looked better, looked better than the cast of characters that were around him. So the idea, the theory, anyways, is that if you put a good cast around him to better complement his skill set, then he can be 
you know, uh, a playmaker at the NFL level. To me, it's like, you know what, I don't, I don't see him as a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck or even an RG3 for that matter. Yeah. That was just NFL ready. To me, mm-hmm. he's not, he's, he was like one year away from being NFL ready. Yeah. So what does that mean when I say that? That means that he's going to go through growing pains, and that sure as hell is not going to involve competing for the second spot in the NFC West. He, they're, they're going to be fighting for the end, the, the scraps. You know, we'll, we have a better shot at fighting in second place than the Rams do. And we'll, we'll get into that once we get past preseason. Yeah, we will. So let's go back. Let's go back to cap. I think that was a, that was a good little interlude. We, I wanted, I kind of wanted to talk about that for a second because we're going to get into, we're going to talk about that in far greater detail in the, the weeks to come. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, those pesky Rams. So Kaepernick here. So now we have, so he decided to stay and now here he is. And we have the, I've been calling it all year, the Kaepernick conundrum. So now it's Kaepernick versus Gabbert for the belt, for the starting position. Now here's the thing about Gabbert. So Gabbert to me is this hybrid of Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. You know, Gabbert is, he is more athletic than Alex Smith. But he sees the field. He's less athletic than Cap. But he sees the field better than Cap. Although you know, but with not quite as athletic. So he's you know he's got a little bit of the best of both worlds. He sees the field similar to Alex Smith, but he has the athleticism similar to Colin Kaepernick. You know, and I think that's what makes him really interesting. And similar to Alex Smith, I think that he was in a he was in a position early in his career where he wasn't able to shine, and he wasn't he it. it he wasn't able to grow and thrive over in Jacksonville. And now he comes to San Francisco, does fairly well last year. I think that each game, if you really look closely, each game he got progressively worse. And that made me nervous. Uh, and it still makes me nervous for this year. But I think that there was obviously potential there. And there obviously there was a drive to be good and a drive to 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 uh, he did not take his second shot for granted by any means. And then, you know, Cap placed himself on IR, which opened the door for Gabbert to uh to, uh, to, tr- to try and uh, really make a run at this. And so now here we are, and according to reports, you know, they're, they're close, but people are saying Gabbert's a little, bit, uh, a little bit ahead. How do you feel about Gabbert? I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He clearly wants to win. He's competitive. Yeah. He's, he's got that edge. He's a lot more extroverted. Uh, the one thing I see that he does a hell of a lot better is he builds rapport with his teammates a whole lot better than Kaepernick's introverted, aloof, personality which is kind of always standoffish and that's it's just it's kind of the opposite of what quarterbacks are really supposed to do i mean yeah name another introverted quarterback that you know did extremely well i i honestly can't think of any i mean well you know Peyton's a little more on the introverted side but cap is like cap is i think there's a okay here's here's the word i think the key word is he's a little bit more standoffish you know what I mean? There's a difference between in being introverted and being standoffish. And I feel like Cap sometimes is a little standoffish. And it, that's that's not that's not necessarily a complimentary, a, a complimentary trait when you're in the position of quarterback because the quarterback is the leader and is the primary communicator between all the offensive right. positions. And I don't think he's trying to be cold to anybody. I just think because I think his his method of focus and, and competitiveness is very internalized. And so yes. The, the way that reflects is he, he appears standoffish to everybody else when mm-hmm. he's really just kind of trying to really kind of hone hone his internal focus. 
that, that's that's what I get from him. Gabbard is the complete opposite. He's very good with the press. Cap has been very good with the press. Uh, this this offseason, they've both been very open and talk, speaking with the press. So I think Cap knows that he's got to step up some aspects of his personality in addition to the completion percentage and the, the defensive reads. You know, towards the end of training camp, the defense really stepped up, particularly in the secondary, which, by the way, is Jim O'Neill's specialty. And they kind of really kind of shut down Cap and Gabbert, and they weren't, uh, they didn't get a whole lot of rhythm towards the latter half of camp, which was are exciting you... from a defensive standpoint. It was like, wow, you know, this is the one coordinator that people are not sure of because they didn't know how things went down in the Browns. Me, I see success in the Browns organization, and I saw injuries kind of take over um, in his second stint there. But when you follow his lineage, like his career path throughout the NFL, this guy has always had success. And so, Are you excited for him? I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty totally, pumped to see what totally, he can do. Just, I'm just, really pumped. The same reason it. I'm excited for Chip Kelly, you know, is because Chip Kelly has a – string of success and whether you, you to go go and do the research fans follow Jim O'Neill's career when he was with Buffalo they led the Lincoln Sacks when he was with uh, the Jets they were uh, a top defense when he was with the Browns they were a top 10 defense so everywhere this guy's been he has been he has proven success so don't take that for granted that that means something in the NFL and that's why he's in the position that he's in you know you yeah. do good you get promoted so yep. You know, I, I know sometimes we we see we see hires and we think, oh well, what's it's it's because there was no other better candidate and this guy has has a lot of experience. That's why we sometimes see candidates that we that we question and 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 second guess. It's because maybe they were good at one point, but at this point they're the only candidate that's available that has as much experience as as they'd like to see in a candidate. So. But in Jim O'Neill's case, remember, the San Francisco 49ers defense statistically was pretty much a top 10 defense at home. At home. On the road, they were, you know, it was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. They were the complete opposite. For some reason, they weren't like the Harbaugh era where they could pack their defense wherever they went. They couldn't get that done last year, and it was like completely, they looked like a completely different squad on the road. I'm not sure if, if, there was, if that was psychological or if it was schematic in the week-to-week planning, maybe a combination of both, but Jim O'Neill is a very hard nose. He's much, much different from um, what they saw in Vic Fangio. And some of the guys already have said that uh, his scheme is one of the best they've seen uh, since the Fangio or since Fangio or even slightly better than Fangio because it's a lot more aggressive. It's very much a ball hawking scheme. They're constantly trying to strip the ball. They got two picks in training camp. They also strip balls. They also um, bat balls down. So the secondary, I think, is going to be much, much better than what we saw last year. Bye. I'm so excited to see them play. I'm really, I'm really pumped. Um, I'm really pumped. That part. And, you know, defense wins championships. Defense owns the NFL, and it's never owned the NFL more than it has in this decade from the, the Harbaugh Niners to the Seahawks to Denver winning the Super Bowl last year. I feel like we are in a golden age of defenses in this in this decade right now. You know, this is just just one unstoppable defense after another. Well, the I mean, the league has, has evolved. You know, it's to the point now where you can't just take a high-powered offense and win it all. I mean, it's never that's never really been the case, but this era of football puts a much 
larger emphasis on defense than ever before. It's it's much it's very old school in that sense. Kind of makes me think of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the seventies. Mm. Put a yeah. huge emphasis on defense back in the day, and so it's it's cool to see. And and it's cool. great. And our GM is very much a defensive minded um, individual. Not to say that he can't pick offense. He just typically does better selecting defensive players. So well, and here's here's the thing. Um, last decade. You know, we who who do you have in in their primes? You have Peyton, you have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. You you have those four quarterbacks in their prime. They I think the reason high powered offenses there was such an emphasis on it was really due in large part to those four quarterbacks and how influ- how influential they were over the game of football for the last decade. And then in this decade, in order to answer back. Teams stack defenses because these high-powered offenses, the the rules changes everything. Like the, the only thing they could do was stack those defenses, and then and and eventually the NFL figured it out. Now in this decade, you've seen the response to the last decade's high-powered offenses, and now is these extremely intense high-powered defenses. This is the response. Totally, and and that's kind of it's like the league, you know, catching up to those players who are now in the twilight of their careers. Um, you know, Peyton's done, so you know it's only a matter of time before Drew Brees and Tom Brady follow suit, and then we move on to the next. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers also is in that bunch as well. Um, it's well, if you notice the, the the Packers, they've gotten worse every year since they won the Super Bowl. Like their team drops a it, little bit it's more because every year in a league that their their philosophy is still dependent on offense when and they kind of leave their defense up hanging to dry with only clay matthews and a couple other playmakers and that's just not going to get it done you know that they had a top five defense the year they won the super bowl and every every year after that it's been in the low in the low to high 20s and and look at how how crappy they've done when they won the super bowl their defense was ranked number four yep just goes to show you just proves just reinforces the point we were making about defensive prowess you know and how important mm-hmm. it is in this era of football and the Niners are going to be they're going to be a force their their defensive line is going to be insane in yeah i think i think i think we're going to be sneaking we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about records and win losses that's all coming soon but i think we're going to be sneaky good this year I, I'm, I'm not going to say we're. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be consistent. I don't know. If, I'm not going to go that far. But I think we're going to be sneaky good. And I think we're going to win some games that people don't expect us to win. And I think we're going to make we're going to we're going to make some big plays uh, against some big teams. And, and we're going to do some stuff that I think people weren't aren't going to be expecting. I think we're going to. I think we're going to be the the easy team to write off, and it's going to be a mistake. I agree, and I think this is kind of a scenario where I know last year we were. I was saying I was definitely saying the same thing that oh they're going to be a lot better than what people think and I I overestimated the optimism and the kind of X and O jargon talk that was getting touted from the coaching staff and this was all unproven coaching staff by the way I was you know I'm the eternal optimist anyway so naturally I kind of listened to what they were the faithful. We're yeah, the faithful. Exactly. That's what we exactly. do. We so, have faith, baby. But in this case, um, it's the complete opposite where everyone has proven success on yeah. the coaching staff, and now they're taking uncharted talent. You know, we don't know how good a lot. We know some of these guys are good. Obviously, Navarro Bowman got his big contract this offseason. Congratulations. You yeah. know, so we know, we know who the anchors are, but we don't know who else is going to join the ranks and 
you know, become the new era of 49er pro bowlers. You know, we just don't know how it's going to turn out. But what I do know, what I can say with a lot more confidence and assurance this season is that they're going to be a hell of a lot better than they were last year. It will not be the doom and gloom that all of the pundits think. And and the pundits were right last year. They they were they were right. I was wrong. But this year they're kind of touting the same thing. And I and I think the problem with with this year with that with that kind of projection is that they're not taking into consideration all the proven success that all the coaches have and how that will impact the players much more positively this year than the coaching staff from last year. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, agreed. Now, uh, early, early prediction. Who's our starting quarterback? Just to kind of bring it full circle. Who's starting quarterback uh, week one. It's such a close battle. Gabbert, Gabbert has the chemistry of the team and if he can nail down the accuracy, then he's going to beat out cap. So uh, I'm going to say Gabbert has the edge right now and, we're going to find out because in preseason, I'm not sure how they're going to split the reps. I imagine they're going to get an even split just like they have been in uh, training camp. So, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say Gabbert, which I feel like is kind of a gamble because it's like they're the Niners. No team, most NFL teams are not going to say, all right, we're paying him 11 million. He's going to sit on the bench. You know, if, if Gabbert starts, he won't be there the entire season. And, and, Kaepernick will not sit on the bench the entire season. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're going to find out. Um, so before we wrap this up, Raymond, let them know where they can find us. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 49ers Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at 49ers Goldcast. You can also subscribe to us. for the That way you're on top of the latest and greatest podcasts as they come out. And you can do that via YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes. Just hit that subscribe button. You'll always get notified when we have our new episodes out, which will become a regular weekly thing as soon as the season kicks off. We will obviously be getting things started here in the preseason as well, just to get you guys and everyone ready for this highly anticipated season, which will tout a new era of 49ers football that I'm excited to see. Definitely. It all pans out. Definitely like and subscribe, 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 subscribe. Tell your friends. Join us on the Facebook fan page because that's where we, we Raymond is really good about posting lots of 49er news. You get all of the podcasts and subscribe to us on iTunes so you can get it first before anybody. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, so concludes another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. And we are...